What's the one? Your whole. Okay, I'll just. I'm trying to deep throw my microphone at first. I'll just, I'll just hold it. I'll just, I'll make it work. Do, do you, do you? Hey, what's up? Uh, so today's episode. Oh, well, before I go to today's episode, uh, special thanks to everyone who listens to the podcast, who likes it, uh, who gave me some stars and some nice comments in the. Uh, in the iTunes uh, podcast section. If you haven't done that, maybe you should do that. That'd be nice of you. Uh, anyways, yeah. Thanks to anyone listening and who finds this entertaining and useful. Uh, so today's podcast episode is with William Strange. If you never met the guy, he's kind of strange. Uh, but like in a good way. He's cool. He's a cool guy. But he is kind of strange. He's like, huh, he just does that. Cool. Um, yeah. So today's topic is censorship. Uh, specifically... Um, I know that he's been asked sometimes or told that, you know, maybe your jokes are a little too much for the crowd. Maybe tone it down or figure a way to, you know, just get everybody on board. So that's what we're going to talk about that. Uh, and then we'll be derail. We, re- we derail quite a bit, I'm going to be honest. But it's funny. Um, and we're just joking. It's all satire. Um, yeah, that's your warning. Enjoy the show. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll just, all right, we'll get the intro. There. All right, all right, okay. So, um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you do comedy. Uh, I'm working on the intros too. This is on live too. But anyways, um, I have. Do you like go by Will or William? What do you pre- What do you actually hmm. prefer? Because I've even heard people call you Bill. Yeah, I mean, I'm not very picky with what people call me. You know, I'm fine. Okay. Bill, Will, William, Daddy, whatever. whatever. I'm not gonna <laughs> call you Daddy. All right, I'm gonna call you Bill though, because I, I I first heard your name as Bill, and then I've always after that I heard people call you Will, and then I've been trying to like not say Bill, but I'm gonna go back to Bill. Yeah, every everyone calls me what what they like, what they like most. There are lots of lots of. There's Bill. There's Will. There's Willie. There's William. There's Billy. I'm gonna call you Bill. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast. You do comedy. Um, so do you know you know, the premise of the podcast? Uh, it's just anybody who wants to be a comic who is thinking about it and doesn't know where to start. This is kind of it. You're gonna hear. You're gonna ask like somebody like your early stages in comedy, because uh, I'm sure somebody out there is curious about everything. You know, like how what it's like and all that. Yeah. Uh, that's what we get into. So I hope you're prepared. Got some tough questions. All right, all right. <laughs> kids might watch this. Well, it's about time these kids learned how to suck a proper dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, all right. You should have your own podcast. So you can say your own things. Uh, okay. You heard it here. The this what is this is comedy or you do comedy? You, you don't do even know. You com- can't even get the show name right. <laughs> the you do comedy podcast says kids should suck dick. Anyway, continue. Um, I'm so. I, I, uh, I'm not gonna edit that out because I like to just keep everything raw. But damn you, <laughs> this episode might not ever get to see the light of day, and not because of me. Um, okay, so anyways, <laughs> you do, the first question, is, stop laughing, I want to focus, <laughs> Go ahead. all right, first question, you do comedy, right? That's, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess a deeper question would be, what is comedy? <laughs> no, we're, we're going we're gonna to get, I, well, I, gotta, I have to ask that question, and I'm going to make it a little bit more profound. But I did ask somebody if they do comedy, and they're like, yeah, and, and they were lying. 
Because like 10 seconds into the interview, they just hung up because they couldn't go with it. <laughs> but, all right, but all right, so you do comedy. How long have you been doing comedy, stand-up comedy for? Like five years this year. Uh, which, which month? What day? I think it was actually April the first time I went up. So, oh, okay. So this month. Yeah, because I remember I had my birthday, I was fired from my job, and then I started comedy. It's a good formula. Good formula for success. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bigger question now is like, uh, why? Why did you decide, let me do stand-up comedy? Like, what, what was that driving force? Uh, interesting. Uh, interesting you should ask that. You see, what happened was I was sitting at home, and my friend said, there's an open mic for stand-up comedy. Would you like to go? And I said, yes. Just like that? Yeah. So somebody was like, hey. <laughs> Do you want to, were they going to go up or what? Oh yeah, they went up the week before and they were like, it's fun, you should come and try it. Like I had no interest in being a stand-up comedian and then I went there, I did the open mic and then uh, a comedian who did local shows was like, you want to do this show? And I was like, oh, sure. So the first first show I did was like a week later, some like stupid bar showcase thing. Okay, all right. Okay, so the follow-up question was, how did that first night go? Uh, apparently, it went pretty pretty damn well if you got booked. Well, it was at this uh, bar. It was kind of like the dive bar here. What was it called? It's an old bar in Atlantic City that's closed now. And while I was doing it, there were people playing pool right in front of the stage. And a bunch of people in the back just talking amongst themselves at the bar. And I was like, oh, well, this was fun. And then the guy was like, hey, my name's Rudy Real, and I do shows in Atlantic City. You should be on my show. Pew, pew, finger guns. And I was like, oh, cool. So I feel like I didn't do well, but he was like, hey, comedian. Give me the finger guns. That's, that's a good sign. Okay. So you don't even think anyone heard you, really? Uh, no, probably not. There okay. were maybe the people playing pool kind of were like, oh, why can't I hear my music? But other than that. Okay. But he still booked you. So let's talk about that experience. And so your first show after your very first mic, um, walk us through that. Uh, well, my very first show, my very first mic, I did jokes I don't even do anymore. Because, uh, and I remember I was trying to figure out what what I wanted to say, and it was kind of nerve-wracking. I was like, this is cool, I got my first show. And very quickly, I realized it wasn't that big of a deal, because it was in the same exact bar. And there were like six people sitting there just like watching me, and then a bunch of people at the bar just still yelling. So I was like, oh, well, this is kind of cool, I guess. <laughs> so the, so you go to open mic, and the guy's like, finger guns. He's like, hey, be on my show. And it's the same place. Yeah, same place. It's the same crowd. Well, different people, but just as many. Like, because it was like a popular dive bar in Atlantic City, so people would like cycle through and stuff. But yeah, same amount of people. (laughs) Okay. Um, And so the night went the same as the open night. It's just kind of like. Yeah, except I guess we were actually, it was the open mic except the book comedian, so it was basically just the open mic. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, interesting. Okay, um, well, let me, because I don't know, usually somebody has a, a story of like what really got them into comedy, something, some, I don't know, they saw a special, they were motivated, something. You were just literally like, hey, man, you bored, let's go open mic, try it. Yeah, <laughs> I had zero, zero motivation to become a stand-up comedian. And I guess 
uh, I guess that's why when people are like, who are your comedic influences? I'm like, I don't know, my friend Tim, who was like, hey, let's go to an open mic. I mean, here you are five years later, so Tim's a pretty good influence. Yeah. Is he still doing it? No, he's actually doing, uh, he's actually doing acting. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, good for Tim. Good for Tim. It wasn't for him. What made you decide it was, this was for you, though? Because it's been five years and you had no interest. I mean, it was fun and easy, and I shouldn't say that because I've bombed plenty of times to the point where I can't just be like, it's easy and all these bombers are stupid and whatnot, but no, it was fun, and I found it easy to talk in front of people, and I had this weird ability to where everyone who started with me, they're all like, I had this weird ability to when I made things awkward, I wouldn't immediately crack and break down. I just sit there in the awkwardness until people start laughing. So I found that very easy, and apparently that's what puts a lot of people off to comedy. I can see that. Okay. All right. Well, so, like, I mean, for the most part, it sounds like you were just kind of like, I'm here and just stuck with it. But it's been paying, paying, uh, it's been working out. I mean, five years. Yeah. You're in Vegas now. You're from originally New Jersey. I guess, yeah. I guess, I mean, what really made me be like, okay, I'll be a stand up comedian is when uh, Butch liked my stuff. And then he was like, hey, I'm going to Asia. How about you come with me, film my sets, and then you'll just be my opener. So I toured with him through China, Singapore, Malaysia, and uh, Israel, uh, just opening for him filming his sets and I made like an, a lot of, well, I guess, I guess it all depends. I made like pretty, pretty good money off of that and then I was like, huh, this comedy stuff, this comedy stuff can pay if I get better. Okay. So, and then that's when you were like, let me get better. Yeah. I guess I was like, yeah. If Bush didn't take me on that tour, I probably wouldn't be in comedy still. Okay. Okay. So that's cool. All right. And then you got better. You're in Vegas now. You've been like a few months here because you were in L.A. Mm -hmm. uh, during a pandemic, right? That's when you moved out there? Yeah, I moved out there January 2020, so right before the pandemic. <laughs> you've been there for a few months, and then you just moved here. And now you've been here for a few months. Mm -hmm. And how do you like it so far? Like, are you gonna, is, it, is it motivating enough to continue comedy for another five years, or are you just going to, I don't know? I mean, to be, to be fair, I just keep on stumbling into opportunities. Uh, so, I mean... I haven't found anything big, big in Vegas. Like, it's still been kind of challenging to, like, find shows to get on and stuff. But I figure eventually I'll find something. Eventually. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, that's cool. That's a nice, that's a nice way just to take it. It's the, the pressure of some people are like, oh, I got to get better. I got to work on trying to get on shows. And you're just kind of like here for a good time. But it's, but it's working out for you. You're not, like, completely just laid back, don't care. You just... Yeah, no, I still go out and put forth uh, yeah. effort and stuff. Like, if I get booked on something, I'm not going to be like, I'm just going to do new stuff the entire time. I'll still try to do stuff that I think will be fun. But for the most part, I'm not overly like, ah, did I make a mistake? Because at this point, it's too late. You're already in too far. Basically, if I fail at comedy, I have to find a school and get a gun and just start shooting children. Shoot up a school is my next option. <laughs> <laughs> okay you know i think it's time to get to like the main topic of the podcast because um i i like have like a theme for every episode every guest there's something about them that i want to talk to them about comedy 
uh, for you is, is basically it's in your name, Strange. Mm. Um, like, I don't know. We kind of clicked the first time I met you because you were making like some religious Jesus jokes and stuff, and we were like, mm. um, but for the most part, like, you can come off as pretty strange guy. Some of the stuff you say, like, because you're, when I first met you, like, you really don't care. You just say what you want to say. Mm. Um, you don't care about a first impression. You're, you know, which is pretty cool. Um, but that can be off-putting a little bit. See, you're nodding your head. Yeah. So, yeah okay. <laughs> no. uh, so that's what I, I kind of <laughs> want to talk about because, like, it's um, your image or your persona is your identity. It's you. Um, but you've been told on some of the jokes that maybe not be so gay for the audience. Oh, yeah. Right, but it's you. You know, that's your stories. Um, I can see when they, any, or any kind of joke when you go too far, then you lose the crowd. But how, or in your mind, like, how do you keep it from going too far that you lose your identity, that you lose your whole story and it's not you anymore? Oh, I mean, for the most part, I just, I just talk. And then usually it works out. There are definitely sometimes when it doesn't, but... My whole thing is like, I have a story to tell and this is how it happened. And maybe I'll cut some stuff out and maybe like make it more streamlined. But for the most part, it's like the base of the joke is just like, is will never change. And I have done jokes that have seemed to have gone too far that I just am like, well, this story, I guess is just too much for people. So I'll stop telling that story. Like I had a story I used to tell that I kind of half told on Kill Tony about this time when I was sounded. And I don't know if you know what sounding is, but essentially what it is, is um, it's usually done with a sounding rod. And what the sounding rod's usually made out of either glass or metal, and they stick it down your urethra for uh, sexual pleasure. I knew it was going to be a sex thing. But the person I did it with used a pen instead of a sounding rod. And as he was like doing it, when I ejaculated, I ejaculated blood. And I brought this up to him. I was like, excuse me, sir, I ejaculated blood. I feel like that's not supposed to happen. And he's like, oh, no, that's normal. It should stop hurting when you pee in a few days. And I looked it up online. And the first website I went on for sounding was like, you should always use um, a clean instrument, not, not something like a pen or pencil. So immediately I was like, oh, you and you're a liar is what you are. And I had a whole story about that. But people cringe a lot when you talk about <laughs> sticking stuff down your urethra. cringing. <laughs> like, I'm just, I like, I don't know. I guess I was trying to like in my head trying to like empathize, but then I'm like, I don't want to because it feels like that hurts. Like I, I had um, um, catheter like up there one time and they just rip it out. And I, and I, after they ripped it out, the pain goes away. So you got to pee. And then you're just like, okay, free. And you pee. And then it just like burns again. Mm-hmm. And then you, you forget about it. Three hours later, you go to pee. And you, um, so that pain was kind of, I don't know what your pain was, but it was excruciating for me. So I can only imagine what, what that was. What's actually funny is there's this ex-New York cop or something uh, who was on, what's the name of their podcast? Nerds with Words. And they brought me on to talk about some of the stories I tell. And I talked about the urethra story. And he keeps on bragging. He's like, I was a New York City cop. Nothing can bother me. And I was talking about it. Then he was physically gagging throughout like parts of the story to the point where his uh, co-host was like, stop being such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, 
I mean, I, I I don't know. Like, what happened to that guy? Did he like apologize at least, or what? No, he stuck to his guns. He was like, he was straight up. He basically, in so many words, said, "Stop being such a bitch about it." Not a gentleman at all. Mm. Uh, was that the last time you got sounded? Oh no, no, no! I haven't sounded since. And again, I didn't learn my lesson. I just let people stick whatever they want down there. <laughs> I mean, the worst, thing, the worst case scenario, and this is an actual thing that can happen, is that something gets infected in your urethra and they have to amputate your penis. That's literally the worst thing that can happen. <laughs> you, you say that so nonchalantly, like the worst thing that can happen is I lose my penis. But you say it so nonchalantly, like it's not the worst thing. But it, what do you... What, <laughs> that's the worst thing that can happen and you're okay like i when someone says what's the worst that can happen is oh i get an infection for three weeks and i can't use my penis oh okay your worst thing is you lose your penis and you're still going with it like i mean like i don't do it like daily but every once in a while <laughs> okay man live your life live your life <laughs> Uh, I don't know how something so innocent sounding is so not innocent sounding. Like, sounding doesn't sound like a bad thing. It's just. And there's a common misconception that women can't sound, but women can be sounded if you you could, oh, you just put the sounding rod. Since they still have a urethra, you can still do it. But I've learned that lots of women don't know where their urethra is. And I think that that's actually hilarious. But then again, when, I, when you think about it, not many guys know where their butthole is. So it's kind of like, it's amazing what people don't know about their own body. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, I mean, I never bothered to look for a woman's urethra. Oh. Do you know where your butthole is? Because the answer might surprise you. It's on my butt. Alright. <laughs> <Okay>. Betwixt the cheeks. <laughs> I don't know what answer some people have given you that to not know where their butthole is, but or whatever. Well, I've had people say that it's further down than they first expected when they were exploring where their butthole was. Like it's not slap dab in the middle. They're like, it was further down than I expected. Oh yeah. I mean that's true. That's true. My I uh, Interesting stuff, interesting stuff. Okay, so um, back to the top there. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah. So saying stuff that goes too much and you're like, oh, it's not for people. Okay, let me dial it back a little bit. Um, so do you lighten, do you lighten the jokes? Do you, like, because uh, the one thing is, like, do you, or do you just get rid of the joke and you don't do it? Or, like, because you have a specific style of comedy. You know, you... You talk about your lifestyle that you've done, and I mean it's kind of a lot what you've done. It's kind of like I'm, I'm a little worried about you, you know. Like you're sticking things down your penis. Uh, yeah, it's you know like <laughs> like how do you just keep yourself from like not saying too little but still saying enough? Like I mean, I usually uh, I mean a lot of the times people like it. It's just that it's too wordy. So most of the time, it's just like getting straight to the brass tacks. Well, there are some things that you can't get straight to the brass tacks with, and people will still be like, ah, oh, such as sticking pencils down your urethra. That's something that usually, no matter how much I've shortened that joke, people are like, ah, your urethra, uh, things aren't supposed to go in. They're only supposed to go out. And 
And I'm like, oh, I guess that makes you uncomfortable. But yet they're not uncomfortable talking about sticking fingers up their butt, which is also supposed to be an exit only, but you know. So I guess it depends on the joke. Like the urethra joke I just gave up entirely on because it was like no matter what the rendition is, it seems that people uh, can't get past the initial crossing their legs like, ew. It's it's odd. I think I think to me what makes it funny is the fact that it's so odd and like I'm trying to like trying to like put myself in your shoes and I just can't and that's, I think that's what makes it funnier for me because I'm trying. I just, uh-uh, I can't. I can't picture something going in my urethra. What's actually really funny is I have another story, like like a long, long time ago when I first started getting into this, someone wanted to put needles through my uh, testicles. And then like later on from that, someone else was like, hey, I want to put needles in your penis again. And I said, okay, sure, fine. And I agreed to it. But people find it easier, the story when I talk about putting needles in my penis, they find that easier to swallow than the sounding story. And I have no idea why. <laughs> I don't know either because, I mean, sounding sounds like it'd be nice to explain it, but for some reason, needles. I mean, I guess because people get their can get it. Your, you can get your dick pierced. Maybe that's why they're like, well, I mean, you. Can, I mean, yeah, I guess it's yeah. I guess it is. People don't always necessarily know what sounding is at first. Even. No, because no, it sounds innocent. Like oh, sounding. Oh, that sounds lovely. I want to sound too. You know, like I thought like sounds like the whales going to sleep. You know, white noise stuff. No, it's. Who wouldn't want to sound? No, I don't want to sound. <laughs> now that I know what it is, no. No. It's an interesting feeling, especially if you go, if you get like a sounding rod in, then you get like a vibrator or wand to vibrate the wand up and down your dick. It's a very interesting feeling. I just don't know if I want anything up there. Like, I just put the vibrator on the penis. Avoid the rod. Ah, but then you don't get, then you don't get that feeling that are empty inside. I'm good with that. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, anyways, um, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I do not want to do a callback to that topic. I feel so, so dirty. So what do I do when stories go too far? You ask. <laughs> yes. 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 I, I can't even leave. I can't like just like oh, I'm gonna go talk to somebody else for a little bit. I can't. It's, I'm here with you for. At least a few more minutes. You brought this on yourself. I did, but it's a <laughs> but it's a good topic. Like, there's you're not you're not the first person to ever say something on stage that people are uncomfortable with. You, but yours is a little bit more. Um, um, I guess I mean there's still people who are homophobic and stuff, you know. Oh, there's the whole thing where people say like use less gay shit, but they're like, but these are also people who I've seen who like they see Tyra Vera and stuff, and they're like he's an amazing comedian. And someone did tell, so I was confused a little bit by that. Besides, I mean, Ty, of course, is a much better comedian than me. He's had so much more time to do it. But so, so he's not only more skilled, but another thing is that someone brought up is that a lot of people are off-put by someone who doesn't seem gay at first, but then who turns out to be gay. So there, there's like... You're wearing red lipstick. How do you not figure this out? <laughs> Listen... People are just like, I don't know if he's really gay or if he's just buffalo billing this shit. I'm not going to lie. The first time I met you, yeah, you had like a suit on or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you know what? You're right. You didn't really come off as gay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they told, straight up told, there have been people who have been like, I have no problem with gay people. It's just I have a problem with the people who don't, I don't know are gay. So there's that kind of thing, too. <laughs> I mean, but like, so? Like, 
there's I don't know. Sometimes people you think they're gay and they're straight. Yeah. Are you off put by that? Like you know, like. I but I feel like these people too are people who kind of are just like okay, I got I get used to gay people type of thing. And it's like, and someone who looks gay, he turns out not to be gay. It's more of like a few not gay moment rather than a, oh, you're a gay moment. Either way, it's not that, it's not that huge a deal. It's just like someone brought that up to me once and I was like, ah, oh, that's an interesting way to put it. I mean, is it though? Like, does it matter? Does it really matter whether they thought you were gay and you're not or they thought you are gay and you are? Like, does that really matter? Like, should that matter? I don't think it should. Honestly, I don't care because if if like being gay is gonna if that's like the off-putting part, I mean, I'm just not a comedian for them. And it's one of those things too, where it's like when I do get better, it's like I'll be able to learn how to like get past that and stuff. For the more extreme people, are like ah, oh, I just can't deal with it type of thing. So I mean, it's with time, I'll just figure out how to like get them to laugh it off as well. But yeah, no, it's. It's just interesting, too, because one thing I noticed, too, is so many people will be like, ah, oh, that's too dirty, Bill, and then they'll go up after me, and they'll be like, so I was pounding pussy last night, and I'll be like, oh, that's not dirty, though. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, it's just, I don't know, it makes people uncomfortable. For, like, I, we're, like I, I think I've even said, like, well, tell your joke and leave out the part that it's a guy, you know? <laughs> And then just make it sound like it's regular heterosexual sex. And at the end, reveal it was a guy. Because they'll be, like you said, they, oh, a gay joke? Nah, it's too much. The heterosexual gay, a guy fucking a girl joke? Oh, okay, I'll listen. So if you like, and then they make a question like, huh, you like the story before you knew what they were? And it was a guy all the entire time. <laughs> I was the woman all along. <laughs> I mean, like, I think that'd be pretty good if you can put a nice spin on it, you know? Like, I, like this chick was getting railed, you know? And, like, all the guys in the bar were like, yeah, and, like, I was the chick. I think they'd be like, oh, crap, I was just fantasizing you now, you know? Like, yeah, and then they'll be like, god damn it, when I'm jerking off tonight, I can't get your face out of my head. <laughs> yeah, see, you'll take the win. You know, it's actually hilarious. Is I had a friend who, like, he was dating this girl, Gabby, and apparently every time they were about to fuck, I would just call them. And I, w I didn't realize that I was doing it, but I'd always just randomly call him and he'd be like, God damn it, Bill, I was just about to have sex with Gabby. And it got to the point where like, he's like, I can't, I can't do it. I, whenever we're about to have sex, I keep on thinking of you. And I was like, oh, how flattering. <laughs> so nice of you, so nice of you. Uh, yeah, that would be a nice thing to bring to an entire audience of people. I will not be at that show. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, so, okay. So when, when people tell you, they're like, hey, that was too much. Um, I mean, do you find that rude or offensive in a way? Like, I don't, I don't care. It's like, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I've been trying to do jokes that are, I've been trying to refine jokes that are less in your face and stuff like that. That I, I don't know. I, I like them to varying degrees. But at the end of the day, it's like the jokes that a lot of people say are too much are also the jokes that got me to tour through Asia, that got me on Just for Laughs, that got me in all of these festivals. So even though, and I guess admittedly way before I was ready to do these things, but still, these are the jokes that a lot of people like and the people who seem to be like cautious about it are more or less bookers and other comedians and they're right to be, they're right to. 
to be cautious about that stuff because I don't have a following and talking about that stuff on one of their shows could be like, ah, oh, that could be a deal, that could like make this room really awkward. But for the most part, like shows, I've only ever bombed out in front of really conservative crowds, which again, I can learn to probably win them over. But for the most part, they seem to work. I mean, yeah, if you're still getting um, some big you know, ticket items, yeah, they're working. Um, I can see from the one side, like if you don't, like if you get a certain type of crowd, you don't want to scare the crowd away. But at the same time, it's like, especially like I guess once you make make it big, you know, like you draw a certain type of crowd. Those are your audience, your fans, and they came to see you. Yeah. So I mean, I, it's it's I can see it, but uh, that's good. You're on just for laughs. Uh, that was actually a complete accident. How that happened? <laughs> so well, did they just call you up and like, hey, you want you want to be on this thing? No, what happened was I had a friend who had just started comedy in, uh, in Philadelphia. and Well, he apparently he started before he joined the Air Force. Then while he was in the Air Force, he stopped and he started again. And he's like, hey, Bill, I have some friends up in Canada that have a show that's going on. I think it's during some big festival. Want to go up and be a part of it? Because they said that I could come up with like a friend and do guest spots. And I was like, yeah, sure. And it's like, that sounds like fun. And I was like, what's the festival? He's like, oh, I don't know, some like comedy festival. And then, like, I was talking about with some people at an open mic one time, and they were like, is he talking about Just for Laughs? I was like, what? I don't think so. And so we were, like, talking back and forth. And then when we actually got up to Canada, there was, like, all the Just for Laughs shit. And I was like, oh, I guess it is Just for Laughs. But it wasn't, like, a main stage. It was, like, a stage in a basement in a, in a hostel because there were, like, a hundred shows at Just for Laughs. I mean, that seems fitting for you. <laughs> a basement, hostel. Yeah. Okay. There was a really creepy German guy who really liked my set. He got way too close. He was like, listen, I really liked what you were talking about up there. And I was like, oh, that's off-putting. Oh, oh so you <laughs> got off-put now. That's, well, have you joked about that? So, no. You I sure? Because that's, I mean, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be pretty good. I feel joke. Like when you, especially when, you know, like a good say, we're like, well, let me say about the man I got off-put. You know, like. And then, I don't know, the guy told me, have a good day, I don't fucking know. Something about Germans being that close, because also the guy who put needles in my dick was an elderly German gentleman, who definitely got his, he was in a very upscale apartment, and I was like, I don't know, I feel like maybe you got all this wealth for, by uh, subjugating an entire group of people at some time in the... 1930s to early 1940s. What I'm saying is, he seemed way. He was too old and had too much wealth not to be, uh, not to be a Nazi defector. That's what I'm trying to say. But I digress. <laughs> um, that's that. I don't know. That's you. But so, <laughs> I, so I guess what I'm saying is that German accents are off-putting to me ever since the ever since I got a bunch of needles uh, put in. Well, I mean, now you know they're natural type. They're natural type. Yeah. Okay. See, yeah, you got like a strange. You, you, I mean, I don't. I don't guess it's strange, but you're very open um, and adventurous in your uh, your sexual life. Um, things you talked about, you know, because uh, I know that you got the glory hole joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard people don't really seem to like that one a little bit too much. That's like really hit and miss because mm-hmm. like that does do really well sometimes, and I stopped doing it when I first got here, because I did it at the backstop, and... Uh, I was there. Yeah, and it kind of derailed the show, and I was like, maybe you should stop this. And then when I went to Arizona, like, a, like 
that was like two, three weeks ago. It absolutely killed in Arizona. Then I did it again at the Artist Collective Open Mic, and it killed there. And I was like, maybe it's just the group of people. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, that's with every joke. If it's not, it might not work for every crowd. Um, and to make it work for every crowd, find some way, something to tweak about it. Uh, have you tweaked a lot of your jokes since you've started to, so that you're not so, I don't know, so people just aren't like the whole time like, oh, like, oh, you know, like cringing and stuff? Well, the, well, my BDSM jokes has been tweaked quite a bit and also to an extent, so is a glory hole joke. And most of it is just streamlining the jokes. But at the end of the day, can you really tweak, uh, can you really tweak consensual and non-consensual, which is just raping people for fun? Can you really just tweak that for it not to be a little, uh, not to be like a little bit awkward? Are you talking about like raping people's ears with your joke? Or are you talking about raping people? Because I don't know. <laughs> no, consensual, consensual, non-consensual. That's rape play. So that's someone likes the idea oh, of oh. being raped. And they're like, hey, do you mind raping me? But we have a safe word, so don't ignore that or else I'm calling the cops type thing. Oh, okay. I, and, thought, okay. I thought you were saying like consensual and non-consensual. I know you're doing uh, the consensual, non-consensual. Oh, yeah, that's the but the, the, that's just a story I do. And it's like there's no way to make that comfortable for everyone completely. So it's just to the point where I streamlined it enough to where it's comfortable enough to where enough people laugh at it. <laughs> I mean, that's good. I think I've seen that set online somewhere. I think you showed, showed a clip or something about it. Oh, I might have. <laughs> now, are you ever going to like completely go clean comedy, I guess, with, with even with like your lifestyle? Like, are you ever going to make one of these jokes so clean that you can get away with it, but it still hits the message? Or are you going to keep being Will? Well, it depends. Because there's this one comedian uh, that I met in, what was it? I think it was... Uh, Singapore who said it he's like there are a lot of comedians out there and that are just that when they try to do a different style it's just it just comes off as fake like some comedians just aren't clean some comedians just aren't dark some comedians aren't just political like a dark comedian isn't a dark comedian because what he says a dark comedian is a dark comedian because he comes from a dark place so like a lot of it is like how much of my personal experience can be turned into a to like a clean set and for the most part it's like i do have i guess what people would call tv clean jokes and stuff like that but it's like they'll never be 100 percent like nickelodeon clean okay that's interesting yeah okay so that's kind of like finding your voice and being true i mean i've never heard i've never heard explained like that <laughs> I think that's that's more deeper. It's definitely more. It's definitely a deeper message because yeah, you're right. Like you might like those dark jokes. Like I like them, but I can't really sell a dark joke, you know. But I love them. I love hearing them. Uh, I gotta figure out my voice still. But yeah, okay. So you're, but you. So you found this is you. You're gonna keep doing this. You're gonna clean them up a little bit so that you can go in the clubs and they're not like, oh my god, why did we get this guy? This is like, yeah. Ugh. And a lot of it, too, I feel like it's just, like, who you know and who you're friends with. Because, like, you, like the club can be like, mm, but the headliner's like, listen, I want this guy to open for me. At the end of the day, they're usually like, mm, okay. So I have gotten in that way where people have just been like, listen, he's opening for me. And they're just like, okay. And it usually works out. Okay. And now in those where it works out, 
Did, did they ever like reach back out to you and be like, hey man, um, do you want to be an opening, whatever? Like, did you get offers out of that? Bookings? Not a ton. Like, that's another thing too is like, and it's like the club owners for the most part go for like asses and seats. So if you don't have like a like a ton of ton of fans, you have to go there a lot to like really get like I guess discovered. So I guess the clubs where I was when I was starting out would be like the Philadelphia Punchline and Helium. And whenever I went there, I'd do well. But they're also too far away from me to the point where I could hang out there every night. So it's like I did well every time I was there, but at the same time I wasn't there enough for them to like constantly see my face. So, yeah, definitely. You gotta definitely, uh, you know, show yourself, put yourself out there, so people see you. Otherwise, you get forgotten. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, like the comedy club here, people go. I mean, there's always two or three comics there from the scene. Usually the same people. So yeah, definitely yeah, put yourself out there, market yourself. Yes, market myself. That's no, don't, I mean. don't, don't, don't. No, because I, I knew what you were trying to go with with that. Bit. No, that's, I'm trying to stay in control here. I was nearly scratching my chest. Where did you think I was going with that bit? Anyways, I don't want to think about it. Maybe you should get your mind out of the gutter. Anyways, <laughs> just, all right, okay. So you so you got at least some clean jokes and stuff, but you'll never be like completely clean because, well, like you said, that's not even it's not even really you. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, my cleanest jokes are, are not my cleanest. My strongest jokes are the BDSM joke and even the, the glory hole joke because when that joke hits, it always hits hard and is also memorable enough. So my strongest jokes aren't clean jokes at the same, at the same time, too. Like, my cleaner jokes, usually they get chuckles and stuff, but aren't like anything too big, which, again, they can just be worked on until, until they're better. But, yeah, for the mm. most part... My best jokes are the dirtier jokes. Okay. And then, like, uh, have you ever gone too much where you said, where you even thought this was too much? I went too far. Uh, well, there was this one story that I used to tell where I had a friend who he was talking, he called me up one night and he was like, listen, Bill, it's like, I just, I, it's like, I just finished having sex with this girl. Uh, then we, it's like, we, well, what did he say? He said, he went back to her house. They watched The Lion King. Something happened. They had sex. Then she started crying. And he started going off on that. And it was, got really rapey. So I was just finally like, dude, did you like rape someone? He's like, Bill, why would you ask me that? I'm like, because I'm not going to go down for this. If you're telling me you raped someone, I will testify against you in court. He's like, Bill, you're not a good friend. You're not this. And I was like, dude, did you rape someone? He's like, why would you keep asking that? And it's just like. <laughs> why are you not answering it? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> There's this whole thing where I was like, listen, dude, like if this turns into a court thing, it's like I'm I can't help you. And he's like, Oh, you're not any help and then he like hangs up and the next day he just calls me, he's like, Don't worry, it's been handled. And I'm like, Did you just fucking murder somebody? <laughs> and got, and uh, apparently she's okay and still fine and all that, but talking about that on stage, like talking about that on stage seemed to be way too uncomfortable for some people. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the way you told it, I mean, I don't know, like, to me, I, I, it was kind of funny, because <laughs> I was just focusing on the part where, like, he's not answering the question. Yeah. Like, he's not answering the question, you know? Like, that's where I found the, the 
you know, the tags and stuff. So <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those things where, mm, did you rape somebody? He's like, oh, why do you keep asking that? It's like, because that is a crime. You know, <laughs> I don't know, like, if you threw it, maybe you should have been like, wait, did you get raped? Because <laughs> you're not answering the qu- first question. <laughs> like, were you the one crying? Like, Yeah, well, either way, apparently it turned out all for the best. To my knowledge, she didn't press any charges. But that's also not to say if she was to press charges now, I could go back and be a character witness. <laughs> Isn't there a Statue of Liberty for things like this? For, for anything, actually? Statue of Liberty. When was this? He told Did I say Statue me, of Liberty? <laughs> <laughs> he told me this back in 2016. Oh, no, I think, I think it still holds up for a few more years. So it's like, yeah, five. That's the funny thing. Uh, that's a fu- Well, I guess not funny, but that's the thing about... Uh, about rape, rape accusations is for some reason they have a statue of limitations on it, so it's almost like a game show to see if you can catch the guy who raped you. So it's like, so it's like you know, maybe something should be done about that. Maybe we should be able to keep rape cases open, maybe indefinitely. But who am I to say that? I'm not a lawyer or a politician or any of that stuff. Oh, well, I hope you don't ever get raped or rape someone. Oh, I was raped. I have an entire story about it that I haven't told here yet. Well, goddamn. <laughs> this, goddamn. All right, just him. Goddamn. I, I keep forgetting that I haven't told that story here. That was, like, I've actually been on shows where they're, like, we're booking you for the show, but you have to tell that rape story. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> okay, I got I to gotta, okay, gotta hear. I got to. You got to do the rape story then, because, like, um, I mean, if it's that good that you're getting booked. So people hear it, like, you got to tell it one of these nights at the open mics. I do. I had to remember exactly how I worded it, too, because actually right before I went out to L.A., I was supposed to go to Portland and do this show called The Secret Box Show, and it was basically I just told my rape story, and they're like, that's good. Can you turn that into 15 minutes? And I was like, I'll try. (laughs) I don't know, man. It was only like three minutes of action. (laughs) I don't remember it, but, you know. It was fun. It was. It was, it was, <laughs> <laughs> was, was this the consensual, not consensual you're talking about? Oh, uh, no, no. It was actually really funny because at one point, like during the, what, well, I guess it's funnier looking back, but at one point during the, during the, <laughs> he, took, he took off the condom and then he was like trying to, he's trying to get me to like, to like blow him and stuff. But then for some reason he wanted to put the condom back on. So he took the same condom off the floor and started putting it back on his dick, which is actually impressive. Cause he took, he took the condom off instead of getting a new one. Cause he was a frugal rapist, that guy. He, t- he picked the condom up off the floor and started putting it back on his dick. What is this? And then he just throat fucked me till I threw up around his dick. <laughs> and then he just kept on going. That guy was a trooper. He's like, I'm gonna come no matter what. No matter what you want, I'm gonna come is what he is. So he was is what I assume he was thinking. <laughs> you're and you're okay now, right? You're eh, it's fine. Nothing that I can't repress until I shoot myself. Until I put a gun in my mouth and just blow my brains out. Nothing I can't repress until that happens. <laughs> This is a dark episode, <laughs> but there's so much laughter. <laughs> I, just, I just need a moment. Just need a moment. It's like the whole time you're telling this story, like I hope, like I hope you're well. Like I hope 
it got taken care of by you know your friend your other friends knows like sounds like he knows what to do when there's rape involved <laughs> hope, hope this yours got taken care of but like the whole time you're telling me and i don't know why but i pictured you during the rape you probably would have been like oh shit that's impressive with the condom or well, the giving him kudos like wow you really followed through mr rapist like i don't well the whole thing was it's like i didn't even realize it was rape until like afterwards i started to i called my i called a few friends and they were all like bill you're raped i'm like what stop being a pussy so i kept on calling people like bill are you okay it's like why it's like what what's wrong you guys i'm like bill you are raped and then it got to the point where finally i actually called tim and he and he was finally just he finally just went, Jesus Christ, Bill. Like, he wasn't having any of my bullshit. He's like, just tell me, were you or were you not fucking raped? And I was like, I don't know. Like, if I went in initially wanting to have sex, but then I was like, no, I didn't want to, and he still kind of forced himself on me, but I feel like if I fought back just a little, I could have, still could have fought him off. Is it still rape? He's like, yeah, no, Bill, that's still rape. So I was like, oh. Okay, so that's one of those, like, okay. Yeah, that's one of those situations where, like, you, know, you say no, but then they somehow convince you to have yeah, sex. They kept on pushing and pushing. Yeah. Well, actually, I was about to leave. I got myself and was about to leave. And it was, I mean, to his credit, it was also, we were, it was supposed to be. To my rapist credit. It was supposed to be a. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be like a kinky scenario, and that's the thing. Is a lot of people like they so misunderstand. This was that consensual, not consensual. No, it was some. It's because consensual, not consent. What should have happened is we should have established limits ahead of time. But at the same time, it's like don't go out and rape people and use that as an excuse. Don't be like, ah, it's kink, and I'm supposed to throw in this person. That's not an excuse to rape so, someone. So was this but, a a, a non consensual consensual? It was just non-consensual because what happened was like I wanted to leave because he was like humping my butt cheeks without any penetration. He was like really hot dogging it. So I was like, I wasn't getting anything out of it. I was like, this is starting to get boring. Then finally he was just like, oh, I hate condoms. And he takes off his condom. I was like, listen, I, I'm going to leave. And then while I was leaving, he's like, uh-uh, you ain't going nowhere. You're getting back in here and you're hopping on this dick trying to be like assertive and shit. And I was just like, I mean... I'm naked and I don't feel like fighting this dude, so I guess I'll just do it. So, so it's like, so that was like the mindset going in. So, it's one of those things where it's like he obviously didn't know what he was doing, and I definitely should have just been a firm no. And I should have like pulled out a spray bottle, like no, no biscuit, <laughs> and, and just walked away. So it's like, I mean, so it's one of those things where it's like as much as like what he did was wrong. Um, he also was ignorant to, I guess, like kink oh, protocol. Shit. So people should have, so he should have definitely did more research before like going up and all that before going out yeah. and seeking this. But no, he's still a rapist, but like, I guess. <laughs> I feel like you're going to say like, I mean, I was like, kind of, I feel like you want to say I was asking. It's definitely yeah. one of those things. I actually ran into him afterwards too. He came to my job and he was like, he was looking for stuff, and I just hid in the bathroom till he till he went away. Yeah, that was definitely a rape. That was definitely if you if you don't want to see him, that was definitely a rape. That was, okay. Um, well, I mean, I, I hope I hope you're I hope you're better off because I, I don't I don't. Uh... Ah, you live and learn. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> this is the main takeaway from this. I, I'm just glad you can laugh about it now, and I hope you're not just like masking you know because you're wearing glasses so i don't even know you could be crying on those glasses right now i don't know 
Ah, uh, dude, I talked about this. Dude, I talked about the story before, like the day after it happened, I turned into a story. And then a week later, I realized when I gave blowjobs, I'd cry. And so I like came up, so I had this story out there before like the first wave of what actually happened hit me. Then the first wave of what actually happened hit me. And I was like, whoa, this was worse than I originally thought. Let me add this to the story. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like shit. It's gonna make a good joke. It's like I cry when I blow people like seventy percent of the time. Let me add this into a tagline here. So, so when you were blowing and you didn't cry those thirty percent time, we're like, you know what, sir, it's not doing it for me. Uh, I need you to get a little more rapey on me a little bit, you know. It's like, sir, I need you to hold a knife to my throat. Thank you. I'm trying to trigger past drama here. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You've never seen a grown man cry. Now tell me I'm worthless and kick me in the nuts. <laughs> it's fine because like there have been other things that have happened that some people might consider rapier. Like I literally had to break out of someone's dog kennel once and just walk out of their apartment, which sounds much rapier than some guy just like coercing you into a blowjob. And that did nothing to me. I just got myself as like, listen, I have to leave. And I just like kind of like uh, kind of like sped walked out of his house like half dressed, but the blowjob, but the rape blowjob is what some for some reason triggered it. So who? It's that's such a that's an interesting psychological thing. You should tell your these jokes in this manner, not your <laughs> usual stand-up manner, but in this manner, like where you're just cracking up laughing as you're like telling like oh you know like it's just i don't know it's just so much funny when you tell it like this versus when you tell it like you know your usual stage presence way like you should you should you should work you should tell these jokes like this i think these jokes would go so much better if you talked like this on stage and you just throw in a giggle everything like hey, you know like, what kind of asking for oh, you know? i don't i don't know but um you should have uh, seen what i was wearing <laughs> This is this is interesting. Okay, all right. So I mean, okay. So just like how you just uh, you just went on about this here on the podcast, you know, your jokes. Some of your, I mean, you do jokes like these on stage, you know. Um, like I'm glad you're okay and you can talk about things because you know, like we don't want to talk about something sometimes, you know. But that's where the personal material comes from, like your, your past traumas or things you whatever you just try to make it funny. Um, you know, because comedy is a tragedy plus time, you know, whatever. Yeah. For you, it's like a week. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, I, like, I, is this always going to be you? Because, um, like, like, the big theme of this was, like, you know, anyone who's thinking about doing comedy and who they're trying to come up with what kind of material should I do? And even when you first start out, people are like, oh, man, that joke was a little distasteful. You know, you probably shouldn't do it, you know? But, I mean, big comics get away with those kind of jokes. Um, yeah, they're big comics, but they tried it out at some point smaller s- scale. You know, like um, I mean, I feel like the only time it comes off as not tasteful or hacky this is when it's not really your joke because any premise can be hacky. Every premise has been done. It's just if you can't make it uniquely you, that's when it comes off as like, oh, that was stupid. Well, I mean, I guess the question is like, you know, when do you listen to somebody and they say like, hey, don't don't do those kind of jokes? Like you've been told, hey, hey, you, your jokes. Uh, too much. We need you to like lighten it somehow, right? It's almost. It's not quite telling them telling like, hey, don't do those jokes, but it's kind of going towards that direction. So like, well, it's weird because I mean, for it's it's tough because 
a lot of times when they bring that up with people, uh, like other comics and stuff, a lot of other comics will be like, that's just what bookers say. Don't listen to them. If you still get people to laugh, they're not going to care in the end. So a lot of people, like one comedian was just like, yeah, it's like the inmates run the prison here. So like the booker can say what he wants, but at the end of the day, if you're making them laugh, you're making them laugh. But at the same time, he was also a headliner who had the, who had the, you know, the, I guess, the fan base and the leeway to be able to do stuff like that. So there's a, so there's a point to where you, it's like you, where you have to make it somewhat appealing to these bookers. But then apparently there's also a line that I guess I'm kind of starting to learn to go where you just like appease them, you just give them lip service, like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll work on that. Then at the end of the day, you just do your jokes and make them work. So it's this weird line to, to walk where it's like, uh, you have to appease them to some point, but then there also has to be a line where you're like, well, this joke is just going to be this joke, and that's how it's going to be. Um, so it's kind of like fake it till you make it with, with your jokes and, and the bookers. Like, all right, I'm going to work on that joke and clean it up a little bit for you until like the one day you have the following enough or like people come to see you. And then you're like, hey, I'm going to do my joke. My fans love my jokes. You want people in the seats? I brought people in the seats. Yeah. It's, not, it's also just being likable, too. Like, if people just like you, they're willing to overlook... A, like, if you're a terrible comedian, but everyone just fucking likes you, you're going to get booked a lot more than someone who's like, they're a great comedian, but nobody likes them. I mean... And, until, you get, until you get discovered, of course, but it's like... Yeah, I mean, that, that too. Definitely that, too. You know, like, people, you don't want negativity around. Yeah. All right, we're going to wrap this up here. Um, for final question... Um, so if, if you can give yourself any advice, that something that you know now, if you can give young Will advice, what would it be? Start comedy sooner. Yeah, I was going to say don't go to that guy's house, but uh, okay. Are you insane? <laughs> yeah, like that rape story. It's like, I don't think you understand how good that rape story was for a while. The trauma was worth it. <laughs> I, it only bombed. It bombed once spectacularly, and even, <laughs> even when it bombed, it was spectacular. <laughs> but, but this is the weird part. It bombed spectacularly, but after the show, everyone kept on coming up to me. It's like you were so fucking funny. I just didn't want to be the only person laughing at a rape story. I'm like, if every single one of you fuckers laughed, the entire room would have been laughing. Just one of you. Just one. Of you. Your cla- Your la- Your your phrases afterwards. Like this one lady's like, oh, you should come to London. You did great in London. I'm like you should have fucking laugh i don't care if i would have done great in london i wanted to do great here <laughs> okay all right fair enough, fair enough uh any any advice you have for anyone who's thinking about doing comedy signing up with a stand-up comedy? don't do it you're gonna fail nah i guess it's really just keep on doing it because uh, everyone because everyone always told that to me too is that you if you just keep on doing it eventually you'll either die or make it so it's like so it's like a lot of people just need to keep on doing it no matter like because one thing I see a lot of people do too is at open mics like comedians will come up after comedians and be like oh that guy he was crazy am I right oh my god that stupid kid oh my god he talked about his three inch penis or it's like stuff like that and it's like to be fair it's like you, you just keep because that might like demoralize someone but just keep on going through all that bullshit because they're just a bunch of dicks so keep on going no matter what those people are like <laughs> unless you're really bad at it unless they have a few points unless they <laughs> and then maybe you should stop and consider a different profession but 
Fuck that negativity. Don't listen to that unless it's right. Kids, don't smoke cigarettes unless it makes you look really cool. Any children who might be out there. Kids, don't do heroin unless you're like a really awesome junkie. Unless you have like a leather jacket and it really just pulls together the look, kids. You know, the whole, the like, like the, the prem, like the whole topic I want to talk about was like censorship. Like, do you ever feel censored? Um, I don't think you care about that. And I definitely don't want to censor the podcast and the channels. Well, don't tell kids to do drugs. and Kids, don't, don't do, drugs. do drugs. This is satire. But if you did, make sure you look cool doing it. But don't do drugs, especially not cocaine. It makes you feel alive. It makes you feel invincible, and you are. You are invincible if you do cocaine, but this is satire. Don't listen to it, but cocaine's amazing. Just, just, just don't do it. <laughs> just don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. With don't your, don't do the amazing drugs, the drugs that make you feel like a human god. Don't do Molly that opens your mind and makes you feel one with the universe and warm inside. Don't do those drugs. Just wait till you're older, and then do drugs. Wait till you're older. Wait till you're 18. No, 21, so then you can buy your alcohol too. Just wait until then. That's, that's, the, that's the, the, the sound advice I'm going to stick to so that I don't get kicked off of YouTube or anything. Cause don't do crystal meth. That'll make you so much more productive. It'll make you do crazy things, things you thought you could never do. In a night, don't do it. It'll make you feel amazing, and that's disgusting. I hate you. <laughs> this is the most absurd episode I've done. This is all trying to be something deep and meaningful and, you know, give some advice on this one. <laughs> but it was fun. Um, well, I'm giving advice. I'm saying don't do cool drugs. Just, let's just, all right, well, thanks for, thanks for watching. Uh, thanks for listening. I tried a new setup. Hopefully the audio doesn't suck. Uh, it was hard to get Will to stay close to the mic without deep-throating it. It's too late. I already turned it up. Don't even say anything now. I'm just going to blow people's ears out. Trucks are awesome. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for checking us out. Good night. And don't do drugs.